Welcome to Activist NNT, a podcast about real-world economics, including modern money theory, and how life changes when you discover it. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today I talk with 12-year-old Squeaky Anna Jones. Okay, cool. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> hey, John Swoboda. Wait, how do I say it? Uh, my family says Swoboda. Swoboda. But uh, okay. most of the country will say Swoboda. Okay. Hey, John. My dad's part of the family says Epstein, and my mom's side of the family says Epstein. I say Epstein. So I, I feel you. Go on. Sorry. Um, well, my Very mate. important. Very important for his candidacy. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, God. So welcome, John Swoboda. You're running in Oklahoma District 1. That's right. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Okay. So, sorry to interrupt you. Mona, Stephanie. <laughs> sorry about that. I'm just uh, getting myself uh, situated. No problem. No She's got a dog. <laughs> yeah, I got a new puppy, Ramona. You did? It's going to be 65 pounds. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was actually... Um, I don't know, sort of a blessing in disguise, you know, all this stuff with my grandmother and we had planned weeks ago to get a new puppy during this time. And so I think it came at the right time. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Oh, thank God. I know. Puppies are the best. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know this until very recently. <laughs> it's, it's the first time I've ever had a dog, really. Oh, really? Yeah. Except for the puppy that uh, followed me home when I was 13. Wait a minute. Am I crazy? Did I forget that you had a dog? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the first time I have a puppy. I it's just skipping my mind at the moment. I okay. You always I, thought I had dogs? No, no, no. I I I was just there. I think you I thought you were just saying that you had a dog, but I don't recall seeing a dog, so <laughs> You're funny. I, <laughs> How do you not remember my dog? Because I had problems. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what but do you anyway, mean? anyway, that's not why we're here. Okay. Whole, and the whole thing was you were so course, upset was, because of your kids want to also have a dog, and yes. you said, "Oh, all right, I have my issues. Home. I'm okay yeah. with that. I've come yeah. to terms." Um, sorry. So anyway, the more more to the purpose of our. Of our... <laughs> Hi, I'm Ramona Masachi. I'm your host. And my co-host is Jeff Epstein. Say hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Act- A big, like you say, hunger for 
systemic change. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, John. So, I don't know why it's so hard for me. Swoboda. Swoboda. You couldn't do it. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank God for the edit button. Thank you for joining us, hey, John. I choose what's edited and what's not edited. <laughs> <laughs> you would never be that mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. This has been this has been really great. Thank you for joining us, John Svoboda. I can't do I, it. <laughs> John, thank thanks. Thank you for being open minded. Um, you, uh, I mean, laughed, but at least you're. I, yeah. I mean, I have, I have no idea. You, a, you, but at least you can you can pay your bills. The plus side is there are it's it is kind of nationwide and it's it's worldwide. So it's there is that. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, okay, uh, Ramona, can you please do an introduction and then take it away and do what you do? do use what your mama gave you. <laughs> Hello, I'm Ramona Masachi. I'm with activist MMT, Jeff Epstein. Say hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. Ezra and Ramona, thank you so much for doing this. We are interviewing Ezra Watson today. How are you? I think that should be good. Um, uh, I'll share, let me share a, a little coronavirus story with you, okay? Yes. All right, so my younger my younger son, who's right over there, is probably going to be looking at me with nasty eyes when I say this story. <laughs> my 11-year-old, we take my 11-year-old to school. Perfectly, no, you know, we've been, we've been pretty much quarantined since March. Yeah. I mean, we really have not gone out. We have not ordered food. We really have been pretty strict. Wow. So obviously we're not getting colds. We're not getting anything. Right. I mean, aside, you know, aside from the scare, being scared with shopping or whatever. So, so we take him to school and uh, a few hours later, we, I get a call from the nurse. Andrew has thrown up. You need to pick him up. Oh, no. And so, you know, I'm like, oh, no, okay, I'll, I'll be right there and whatever. And, and I, you know, I was like, you know, it's not coronavirus. That doesn't sound like a coronavirus symptom. And she's like, no, I don't think so. Just, but, you know, to be safe. And I'm, yeah. so I come and it turns out the nurse said, and I said, you know, what happened? Because he seems perfectly normal. I mean, yeah. like just perfectly normal. And she says, uh, actually, I don't know what happened, but he, I was told that he threw up. <laughs> and then later she said, actually, you know, actually what the teacher told me is that Andrew told the teacher that he threw up. And I was like, what? And then I said, Andrew, what happened? He said, I told the teacher that I threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened was, is he, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's actually just a guess, but I don't care because it's, it's a reasonable guess. Yeah. Is that it's, it's just a, one of his smart ass cartoons. That was one of the lines in the cartoon that he heard right. and that he just shared it to be ridiculous. <laughs> and so we had to have a talk of oh, wow. during coronavirus, you can't do that again. <laughs> right, so. right, right. Now, yeah, there's certain things you can't say right now. Yeah. Like yeah. saying hi to your friend Jack at the airport. So I don't get that. Oh, hi, Jack at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I had coronavirus in my mind. I got no, that's yeah. all right. That's all right. Yeah, I, I grew up more with that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, all right, all right, all right. Uh, um, well, let's get started. Anything? Right. Uh, anything you want to tell me before? This is interesting. I never understood this until this moment. This whole conversation about MMT is about 
real world outcomes, not just a theoretical or hypothetical view of money and value? Money doesn't matter. I mean, yes, it's an important part of the process, but it's it's the hammer. What matters is the house to shelter people. But everyone just focuses on the hammer. Hmm. We need to build people houses. Let's use the hammer to build people houses. We can't use the hammer. There's just too many nails. That would cause inflation. That would cause nail inflation. People are desperate for houses, and all everyone is talking about is the hammer. teacher wasn't there at the time she was having a she was on leave medical leave she had a surgery of some sort so she was gone for two weeks when I started school in Tunisia so it was kind of a relief I didn't have to go straight into it but you then know, the actually, clock you're, was you're, ticking you're reminding me of of Nelson you if you watch the Simpsons you know you watch the Simpsons at all um, sometimes yeah but I, I don't know the, the what you're referring goes, to there's a there's a character named Nelson he's mm-hmm. he keeps failing school and so he's like he's like you know, whatever, an 18-year-old kid in like fourth grade or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, well, let me tell you about it. I could barely fit in those um, second grade tables. <laughs> <laughs> wow, um, I can't imagine. Like, I, But here's, here's the interesting story about this. Um, th- those two weeks when the teacher was, the French uh, language teacher was, was not there, my uh, dad and my sister were, were prepping me day and night, trying to teach me everything they can to mm. get to a point where the, the teacher would be kind of uh, full enough to accept me in the classroom with all the challenges that it represents. If I can just convince her that I know a, a bit of French, that I'm not like completely starting from zero. Mm. So, so I was getting you know french lessons nonstop for those two weeks at home with the idea of the first meeting with the teacher i would actually go in and talk to her in french because in, in tunisia you know foreign language teachers even though they're tunisians they would never speak to their students in arabic they always speak to their students in the language that they teach and, and this is true throughout so the expectation was on day one, the teacher was going to see me and ask me my name and ask me where I was from. And the, the, the whole conversation was going to happen in French. Mm-hmm. So my dad and my sister were prepping me for that conversation to, to go in and, and be able to answer you know, my name and my age and my grade and where I came from, like basic conversation stuff. Mm-hmm. And this way she would not you know, object <laughs> to the idea of having this kid that needs all of this remediation work. Uh, in her classroom. Mm-hmm. So, and, and in those two weeks, I was ready and practiced the whole thing. I know how to answer, you know, give my name and my age and basic conversation with the teacher. And I was going into the classroom ready to have that conversation. There was, you know, no problem whatsoever. Okay. So as soon as I walk in and she calls my name and, and calls me to her desk and then she looks at me straight in the eye and starts to ask, asking me, what's your name? Where are you from? And I froze. I, yeah. I started, I, I knew all the answers, but I was like, I'm not going to lie to this lady. 
<laughs> this is a very serious situation. <laughs> so I told, I started speaking to her in Arabic. I told her, listen, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know how to answer. I know exactly what you're asking me. And I can, you know, uh, fool you and give you the, the answers, the prepackaged answers that I memorized. But let me tell you the situation. I know nothing. <laughs> and she wow, freaked out. <laughs> oh, she freaked out. Really? She was like, uh, this, this can't be happening. She took me by the, by the arm and said, let's go to the principal's office right now. <laughs> and she made a big scene. She was like, I'm not having oh, this kid no. in my classroom. I was <laughs> He's just, way I was behind. Like... He needs to be in second grade. <laughs> oh. And my parents were like, my parents were like, what happened? We prepared you for this thing. I told them, yeah, but I'm not going to lie to the lady. <laughs> Look at the situation. After all, I mean, she's right. <laughs> Wow. Um, I was I was honestly thinking that that was kind of a mature thing for a nine year old to do to admit so candidly and, and you know well it was a big lie it was like one of the biggest lies of my life mm. <laughs> is to fool this person that I that I, in two weeks I somehow made up three and a half years worth of French <laughs> so what um, happened so anyway it was a, a big situation and then of course the principal intervened and my parents and and so on. And they finally convinced her. They told her, listen, there's three and a half or maybe four months left in the academic year. They convinced her that, you know, I'll manage the Arabic portion of the curriculum well enough to pass. I just need remediation work to catch up on, on the French side of things. I have since presented the story to an eighth grade math class. I tell James about how I've decided to change the beginning of that story and the insights those changes reveal. Before getting to my conversation with James, I would like to tell you the kid's story. Note that this is normally an interactive conversation, so I'm going to insert some common responses that I have received in my experience. When you play Monopoly, what's the very first thing that happens? You choose a banker. And then what must that banker do? Does he have to go out and find people that played the game months ago in order to get their money so that we can play this new game now? Or does he just give out the money? Do movie theaters or sports stadiums give people newly created tickets? Or do they first have to collect old tickets from former patrons? A theater could give every single patron 5,000 tickets. They could, no problem. But there are only so many seats in the theater. Before I continue, I want to say that this particular story was inspired by a kid I met who told me that he got in trouble for stealing hundreds of dollars from his parents. He did this by taking their credit cards and then using them for in-app game purchases. Now. Imagine you have no money. I mean, no money. Not in your bank account, not in your wallet, not in your piggy bank, nothing. You and your entire family are totally broke. Then one morning you wake up and you are granted the power to create money whenever you needed it, just you. You go into a store, you find something you want, and it's really expensive. You go to the cashier, you stick out your hand, your palm up, and psh, money appears in your hand. Just enough to buy what you want. The only rule is that you're not allowed to keep it. 
You can only spend it. You can only give it. So the question is, if you have this power, does it really matter that you have no money? Of course not. Who cares? You can create it whenever you need it. So what would you do with this power? Maybe your first instinct is to spoil yourself. You buy lots of cool toys, gadgets, technology. Maybe you take all your friends on a luxury trip to Disney World for a couple of years. Now, how would you use this power to help? Really help? You could pay off your mom and dad's house and cars. You could pay off the credit cards and loans for all of your friends and families. And maybe you could provide all of the kids in your school for free lunch and school supplies for a whole year. But why stop there? Your teachers buy lots of school supplies with their own money, so why not help all of them? You could buy a home for every single homeless person in the entire town if you wanted. There's a lot of good things that you could do. Now, how could you use this power to hurt people? What do you mean, hurt people? How could creating money hurt people? Well, how about finding the most awful, evil kid in school and giving him $1 billion and then give nothing to everybody else? How about early in the morning, you go to the school cafeteria and buy all of the food that they have and then just throw it in the dumpster or all of the food in the entire grocery store? Or how about go to a busy toy store and give every single customer $10 million at the very same time? They would all start fighting because there aren't enough toys in the store to go around. But here's the worst thing that you can do. You take a trip to the city and you find the most destitute, desperate, homeless person you can. This person is really in bad shape. And you talk to him and he tells you that he's been homeless for a long time. He's living in a broken car with his wife, 10 year old little girl and a little baby boy. They're always cold, always hungry, and his kids have nowhere to play. And when they get sick, they can't even go to the doctor. And you listen to their story and, you, and it's really, really sad. You even cry a little bit, you hug each other. And then right before you leave, you tell them, I really wish I could help you, but I can't. I don't have any money. I'm so sorry. I mean, you're not lying. You don't have any money. But you sure are leaving out something important. And since he doesn't know that you have this power, and how could he, since you're the only one in the entire world who can do it? So he's not angry. He's just sad and disappointed. He thinks you're also just sad and disappointed. How do you think he would feel if he realized that you did have this power? Hello, James. How are you? Hi, Jeff. Nice to meet you. I'm fine. Yes, it's, it's, uh, we have spoken online quite a few times. It's always so bizarre, you know, hearing a different...